I love Corpus Christi. I remember the, the first time we came here a few years ago, we were talking about Krispy Kreme the whole way up. And it was like the worst moment ever. It was like this intense time. And I was trying to like pray over Corpus Christi. And I kept saying Corpus Crispy. And it was like, thanks. It was like by the second one, it was dead. It was like, my God, there we go. It was over by the second one. But what, what I want to do real quick, and because we want to say this, I just simply want to give language as to what was going on. This is such an important thing. You know, right now, I feel like we're, we're in a moment in church history where God is restoring worship to the forefront of church culture. This is important. And so what, what, what's, what's needed is language. Why worship? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we sing songs the way that we do? Why don't we just keep with the script and do our nice little, like, little song here and a little song there? So this is important. Guys, I want you to know all over the world right now, God is restoring the importance and the essence and the necessity of worship to church culture. And what's happened is over the last few years, we've kind of, a, a friend of ours said it's so good. He said, he pointed to the stage and he says, what happens in a lot of churches today is more of a byproduct of the Beatles than it is King David. And here's, and here's what happens. Anytime we start talking about worship or praise, if you are not a singer or musician, you like automatically check out. Right? How many of us have ever done that? Don't sell yourself out. You don't have to raise your hands. But... <laughs> like, I love it at church, like, no one ever raises their hand for anything, you know, like, everyone does, right? Like, not me, man. But, but this is, this happens, this happens in our minds, like, oh, I'm not called to worship, I'm not called to, it's, in fact, I remember this one time, I was at this home group, and they had decided that they were going to cancel, the, like, the, the message, and they were going to have, like, a time of worship, and the leader of the group said, Jose, are you a worshiper? And I said, yes, and he says, okay, what song do you want to lead? And I said, actually, man, I'm the worst singer you've ever heard in your life. If I lead a song, your ministry is going to shut down. And it's a true story. I'm not lying. And, and, and then, but then this is what he replied. He said, I thought you said you were a worshiper. And so we've accidentally created this culture that tells you that to be a worshiper means you have to have some sort of musical talent. And God is shattering that paradigm. In fact, I want to tell you something. If you are a born-again believer, you are called... To the ministry of worship. Now, if you can't sing well, it doesn't mean you have to do it on the platform. But, but, but <laughs> this is an important concept. This is, a, this is a good thing. Don't get offended. If you can't sing, you don't get a mic, right? But I'm not talking about doing it on the platform. I'm saying tonight, if you are born again tonight, if you've accepted Jesus, you actually have a mandate from God to sing to the Lord. It is not just a calling it's actually a requirement. Do you know that the greatest injustice in the earth, now hear what I'm going to say, we are passionate about seeing God end sex trafficking. But I believe that the, 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 the material sort of injustices that we see are the byproduct of the greatest injustice in the earth. And it's a church that doesn't worship God the way they were created to. Do you know that I absolutely believe that a lot of the things that we're contending for and we're believing for and we're dreaming to see eradicated in the nations, God would eradicate if the church would return to an understanding and a revelation of worship that God intended for us to walk in. In fact, let me tell you this. Before God ever raised up preachers, he always raised up worshipers. 
Do you know that? That before God ever raised up a sermon, or before God ever was looking for a sermon to be preached in the nations, God has always been and is still looking for a song to be sung in the nations. And I believe tonight one of the things that the Lord wants to do is release this revelation that your song, your song, whether you have talent or not, or a platform, it doesn't matter. Your song is a sword in the hand of Jesus to release justice and to wage war against his enemies and to release light and glory in the land. Your personal song. So here's what I want to do. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1. I feel like a prophetic Backstreet Boy with the mic. How many of you guys love our, our Heart of David squad that was up here just going for it? I love them. They're like, they're the best people ever. <laughs> so, it's so cool. You know, it's, what, what some of you guys don't realize is some, some, of the, some of the group that was up here praying, I mean, just a few years ago, were like terrified to touch a mic. Or were bound by depression or anxiety, I mean, so many different things. Guys, some of them that you saw on the band tonight or, or giving words of knowledge just a few months ago were bound by addiction and depression. And I'm telling you, Three months in the presence of God. Our school's year-long. It's broken up into two, three-month tracks. But you know that one moment in His presence can set you up for a lifetime of victory and freedom. And I'm just so, just so proud of our school and our squad. What about Shannon Tyree doing an original song tonight? I remember, when, it's probably Dave's fault, but when Shannon was a student, she was like a prof magnet. Every speaker... And every prophet, even if they didn't have like a prophetic ministry, every time they were in there, they would just prophesy over Shannon. It was like we knew, it was like a once a week occurrence, we were going to have to like clean up her tear puddle. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably your fault. <laughs> she carries that lava suit anointing. They can't help it, man. <laughs> Let's look at this. And, come on. <laughs> Nobody's text messages jazz me up more than you. Like, I woke up to a Dave Bendett message this morning, and I was like, dude, I got a shower before I could read it. I was like, needed to like, you got to like wake up, take a shower, drink coffee, have breakfast, run a half marathon, shave, just to, just to make room for Dave Bendett. <laughs> I love it. When you're coming to the school or anything at Austin, we prep our peeps for a few weeks. We got to prepare the way for Pastor Dave Bendett, right? We got to prepare the coffee wave. Anyways... Whoa! I love it. The cough prof. It, the, the, he's got the cloth of the, cro the, the cough prof. What would you say? Someone said something ridiculous. Okay. Is your favorite book of the Bible Hebrews? You get it? Anyways, that was cheesy. <laughs> Thank God I'm married, man. <laughs> be like, Actually, you know, I'll just say this real quick. I was here January 7th, one year, and, and I was just this like broke missionary, and, and God spoke to me one night. I was getting ready to teach, and Dave Vendette said, God's going to speak to you. And I said, everybody says that. And then the Lord spoke to me. <laughs> so I got to repent to you. <laughs> and, and I had this vision of me proposing to my wife the next month, and then getting married in July. And I remember I'm pacing back and forth, and I'm like, God, that's ridiculous. I can't even afford a ring, and it's your fault. Like... <laughs> I literally said that. It was like not very holy. I'm literally walking back. God, it's your fault. I can't afford it. You told me to do what I'm doing. And then the Lord said, Jose, this is my game plan. You're either with it or you're not. 
And, and so just pause. A few months ago, a few months before that, my friend who's a jeweler said, hey, I will make you $6,000 worth of jewelry for three grand. You just need to get me three grand. And at that time, that was like a mountain for me. And so I'm like, Lord, there's no way. And he says, well, this is what I'm doing. You're either with it or not. And so I said, okay, Lord, I agree. I, I believe it. And the next day I went home, and there was a $3,000 check in my mailbox. So uh, it's your fault I'm married. So okay. So, so just super quick, super quick. And then we're just going to keep plowing. You want to get plowed more. Amen. So let's look at this. Revelation 1. I love this verse. Start at verse 5. And it says, from Jesus Christ. So Revelation 1, 5, and 6. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us. Now, here's the important thing. Us is everyone. This is every single believer in this room. This is your identity, your eternal identity identity before God forever is verse 6 and he has made us kings and priests or some translations say a kingdom of priests kings and priests to his God and father to him be glory dominion forever and ever so what does that mean that if you're born again tonight you are a priest before God come on and you're not only a priest you're a king priest and this is incredible. This is the principle that John is telling us in Revelation 1. How does the kingdom of God operate? How does God manifest himself? See, this is the thing we're after. We're not, right? We're not just after the theology of his presence. Because we know, right, that wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus is in their midst. We're not just after the theology or that we believe by faith is here. God's actually inviting us to a place that when we worship and when we gather together, he doesn't just come theologically. He actually comes and manifests himself in a real, tangible way in the room. That in the midst of our worship, in the midst of our singing, in the midst of our dancing, the sick begin to get healed. Families begin to be restored. Guys, you know that my family got saved. For, for 11 years, I would preach the gospel to them. And like, they wouldn't listen. Then one night I was in Rio, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to sing over your family tonight. I'd never done that. The Lord said, sing over your family. So I'm on stage, and I begin to sing over my family. And the next night in their bedroom, they watch a movie and give their lives to the Lord. This is the power of the song of the Lord. Because why? How does the kingdom of God operate on the earth? Through priesthood. Through intimacy. So how do you get authority? Who wants authority over demons and sickness and disease? So how do you get authority? You don't get authority at a conference. You don't even get authority because a man lays hands on you. You get authority. This is, and this is incredible the way God set it up. Authority in the kingdom is the byproduct of intentional intimacy with Jesus. How do you get power over cities and regions, over principalities and powers? It's by being intentional with intimacy. If you want to grow in authority, you have to grow in intimacy. This is incredible. And you know why that is? Because it's tied, it's related to why you exist. Does anybody know, want to know why you're alive? To worship. Amen. What does that even mean? To sing slow songs in the key of G? To play a Taylor guitar and wear skinny jeans? 
Because that's what we, because listen, we say we were created to worship. Right? Because let's be honest. <laughs> let's be real. We say we were created to worship, but when we say that phrase, a lot of times our mind automatically goes to music. Right? Automatically goes to music. And guys, I want to tell you something. As much as I love music, we need to, if we really want to grasp what worship is and the power of it, we actually have to step away from music for a second. And essentially, why do we do the music? Because the music is merely an expression of the reality of what worship actually is. And if we're going to begin to walk in authority in the place of worship, we have to understand what it is. So this is the definition that we like to use at Heart of David. Worship in its simplest form is agreement with God. It's agreement with God. Right? It's agreement with what God says about God. Right? It's what we did tonight. And we began to sing the worth of the Lord. The Lord responds to that revelation of himself that we sing about. Right? Have you ever noticed why uh, when, when healing ministers come to, to town, they preach on healing? They're, that's an act of worship. They're releasing. They're stepping out in agreement. And God responds to that revelation. God responds to the agreement, and he releases healing in the room. This isn't, that's why right, we teach generosity. We teach giving. Right? If you want to grow in finances, you got to give. You want to walk in healing, start giving healing away. You want to grow in the prophetic, start prophesying. You want to grow in mercy, start giving mercy. You want to grow, you want to grow in your relationship, start walking in relationship. It's an incredible thing. So worship is agreement with what God says about God. It's agreement with what God says about humanity. And it's agreement with what God says about the earth. Because this is a remarkable thing. Worship is the vehicle God is going to use to restore the earth. And we're seeing this happen all over the earth. Guys, there are entire nations and cities and regions and places that are being transformed all over the earth simply because people are worshiping with understanding. See, I love this in Psalm 47.7. We don't have to go there. I'll just tell it to you. It says, worship the Lord with understanding. And what's happened is that we have raised up a culture that worships but with no understanding. Right, if we've, if we've, we've so dumbed down worship that we've said worship is you just come and you just do this and you do that and you sing your song and, and we've given you the byproduct of something or we've merely, let me say it like this, we've merely taught you what should be the byproduct of an encounter with the Lord. And if we're honest, and, and I don't mean this in any critical way, if we're honest, most worship in America is powerless. Guys, in the Old Testament, pre-baptism of the Holy Spirit, they sing one lyric and the glory comes in so much so that nobody can move. And it's incredible. On any typical given Sunday in America, we're singing, we're singing, we're singing, that's kind of what we're doing, we're silly, right? But we're singing, <laughs> we're just doing, it's like John Davis and Christian karaoke, we're singing millions of songs and there's no power, there's no manifestation, there's no kingdom of God coming to earth. It's because we're doing it out of a place of information rather than revelation. There's no real power, there's no intimacy. Guys, if you want to grow in authority, which is your calling and your destiny, you got to grow in intimacy with Jesus. See, the secret to powerful worship is intimacy. It's giving yourself to behold the beauty of God. So let's go back to that Psalm 22 thing. 
Psalm 22, 3. It's what we were talking about earlier. See, I remember, I was, uh, I was in Ecuador and a pastor friend of mine said something so incredible. It really challenged me. He said, so much of the church has settled with simply shifting the atmosphere. Right? We do like a prayer meeting or a worship service. We're like, man, did you, did you feel the atmosphere shift? And we're like, we're settled with moving the room. And he began to provoke me with this. And he said, do you know that you actually weren't, we weren't created Jesus didn't die so we could shift the atmosphere. He died so that we could disciple nations. Everybody in this room, listen, I don't care how insignificant you think you are tonight. I don't care if you work at a gas station, at Walmart, or you're a millionaire businessman. Every single person in this room has a destiny on their life to disciple and transform nations. Right now. And here's the crazy thing. Maybe you don't like flying. You actually don't even have to leave the country. Do you know that the power of worship is that you can sing a song in your living room. And from that very place, your song could cause walls of communism in places like China to come crashing down. Guys, I believe, listen, we are one song away from seeing all the old cartel exploitation in Mexico just come crumbling down. Just one song. Just one, and here's, you could do it from your living room. Guys, this is your destiny. Listen, for eternity, you are not going to be apostles. Uh, nobody ever says amen to that, right? We like our titles. You know that for eternity, you're not going to be evangelizing. For eternity, you're not going to be building a ministry. For eternity, you're not going to be building churches. But for eternity, you are going to give yourself to a life long, uh, 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 to an eternal lifelong deal of living in unending fascination with Jesus and agreeing with him in the place of worship as a priest forever. Guys, this, do you understand that Jesus' beauty is your inheritance? Do you know that intimacy is your inheritance? Intimacy, the knowledge of God is eternal life. And what's crazy is that you don't have to wait till you die. You can start now. This is crazy. It's the craziest thing. When the Lord began to minister to me, do you understand? See, the reason worship exists and the reason you're alive is for this very thing. You were created to satisfy the heart of God. I want you, I want you to like, re- thank you, buddy. He's going to get the prophet's reward. <laughs> I love that guy. He's one of my favorite people, like the ages. <laughs> In this age and the one to come. But... It's like random phrases like that. You can get people to shout. So I love being at charismatic churches. You could say like eschatology. Everybody's like, whoa. No one has any clue what just happened. Like shift. People get, it's so funny. It's like, it's an eagle. Yeah, there you go. You see, it's like, it's a pattern. Anyway, so listen. Saw what I did there. So, what was I even talking about? <laughs> Eagles, yeah. Intimacy, yes. So, because it's crazy. So, why worship? Because do you understand that human, the purpose of human beings isn't to build ministries. The purpose of human beings isn't to serve God. You know, that the, you, you weren't born again to serve God. And we, we, we live in this like servant mentality. I'm a servant of the Lord. Friends, I want to tell you, you are alive for the sole purpose of satisfying God. 
And maybe that, that, that doesn't sound incredible to you, but I want you to think about this. Paul says that God is unknowable. His riches are unsearchable. You, you can't contain them. Yet we have the power to fulfill every longing in God's heart for intimacy. Think about this tonight. Maybe, maybe you, you step, you raise your hand just a little. Your little worship, your, your, maybe you feel like it's just like insignificant little song, whatever you did, just lifting your hands or just showing up. Do you understand that you can help it? Every little movement you make towards God has the power and the ability to satisfy the heart of the living God. Friends, I want to tell you, more than any miracle, more than any blind eye being opened, the greatest thing you will ever do with your life is satisfy God's heart. Think about this. Maybe you've never led anybody to the Lord, and that's important. Maybe you've never casted a demon out of anyone or pulled anybody up out of a wheelchair, but you have, in your worship, you have touched the depths of the heart of the unknowable, unsearchable living God. See, it's this sort of stuff, man, that the nations of the earth are longing for. This is what we're made for. So let's look at this in Psalm 22, 3. And David says, the Lord God is holy, right, enthroned upon the praises of his people or the praises of Israel. So let's kind of break this little, this little, this little verse down here for a second. If you remember, I said the word enthroned is the Hebrew word yeshab. Say yeshab. And it means, right, to dwell, to move in, to live in, to habitate. Now picture this. Literally, in Hebrew, that's a picture of a man who picks up his belongings and moves it to a new place to dwell there permanently. Think about this right now. Imagine lifting up the sort of song and the sort of praise. And guys, this is our, God's inviting us to do this thing tonight. There is a song inside of you. Everybody in this room, there is a song inside of you that when you release it, it so touches the core and the depths of the heart of God that he can't contain himself, but he picks up the fullness of his substance and he moves it into that song. Friends, this is why David pressed in for 24-7 worship. Because this is, the, this is the deal. If you sustain the song, you will sustain the throne. Come on, we're, 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 just, we're such a justice-driven generation. Friends, you know that the Bible says that the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. So when we begin to release our praise, righteousness and justice is firmly established on the earth. Friends, you know that cancer is an injustice? Right? We know that sex trafficking is an injustice. You know that blind eyes are an injustice? You know that divorce is an injustice? You know that pornography is an injustice? Guys, when we begin to release this song of agreement, God comes and on our behalf makes war against every form of injustice on the earth. Now here's what's crazy. That word yeshab could also be translated married to. Married to. Now think about what David is saying. There is a song inside of you. Everybody, there's a song inside of you tonight. Then when you sing it, it so touches God's heart that he comes into covenantial agreement with your song. We begin to sing out of a place. Not, I'm going to preface, I'm going to kind of break this down a little more in a second. But when we begin to sing out of a spirit of revelation, 
about the character and the nature of who God is, God comes into covenantal agreement with that song and manifests that reality on the earth. How many of you guys are familiar with Habakkuk chapter 2? Habakkuk 2.14, right? We know that famous verse. The knowledge of his glory is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Right, you guys know that one? Isn't it interesting though that the verse doesn't say the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It says the knowledge of his glory is going to cover the earth. That means that God's going to raise up a company of people that are skilled in the glory of God. You're skilled. And how are you going to cover the earth with the knowledge of his glory? By singing about his glory. And as we begin to sing it, he responds and releases the revelation of his glory. And it begins to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now let's look at the, that, 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 that word praise. I know you guys have had Ray here a thousand times, so I'm sure he's taught it. But it's worth revisiting. That Hebrew word there for praise is the word tehillah. Not tequila, tehillah. <laughs> Somebody's old man caught a bad witness. It's the Hebrew word tehillah, and it's where we get the concept or the idea of a spiritual song. Right? Of a new song. Now, here's what I want to say. How many of us love prophetic worship? Right? So here's what I want to say. Prophetic worship is not necessarily spontaneous worship. So we've created this culture that you think that to be prophetic means to not sing the lyrics. It doesn't, that's not what it means. To be prophetic is the right thing at the right time. So David isn't saying, you just go up and you're off the cuff. David is saying, what is the, what is the sort of song that establishes God's kingdom on the earth. That's what we're after, right? Anybody want that? In your city, in your family, in your neighborhood? What sort of song it firmly establishes the kingdom and government of God on the earth? It is a song that is birthed out of a revelatory encounter with God. That's the Lord calling right now, and he's saying, I agree. Well, listen, this is what David is saying. He's saying it's not the sort of song that, you, that, you just, that you, just, you just do. It's the sort of song that is the byproduct of gazing upon Jesus' beauty. It's the byproduct of intimacy. It is a song that is birthed in the eyes of your heart. See, what's happened is we have created a superficial worship movement. Or superficial culture of worship. We sing songs because we're told this is what God is like. And most of us have no real personal revelation with the subject of our singing. And that's why there's no power in our singing. This is that, this, that whole like Beatles thing. We just let everybody else come up and tell us what God is like. And then we just sing along. But do you know that the only way you can get breakthrough in your worship is to have intimacy with the subject of your worship. That, In other words, the song doesn't come because I told you what to sing. The song came because you beheld him and the beholding caused you or impregnated you with the song. Friends, God wants to impregnate us with revelation tonight. God wants to open up our hearts and begin to penetrate us with the revelation of who he is. I remember I was in Los Angeles uh, doing some worship training with the ministry there. And this guy, he, he does worship leading at high schools. And he says, man, these guys, they don't get worship. And I've been trying to teach them how to worship. 
They says, I've taught them to lift their hands, how to sing this, how to do everything. But they don't get it. And I remember the Lord just gave it to me there. And he says, because you're teaching them something that should be the byproduct of something. Guys, do you understand that the reason we have praise is that praise should be a response to a revelation. And the Lord just gave me this. And I said, okay, here's what you need to do. Sit them down in a room and just gaze upon God and, do, and only sing what you see. And then don't change the lyric until you see something else. See, I, I remember I just began to search out my heart and, and ask myself this question. Do I sing holy simply because the worship leader tells me he's holy? Because if the holiness of God came in the room, could I even recognize it? Friends, I want to I ask you this. I'm not asking this in a critical way. I want you to be reflective tonight. Do you sing what you sing because... This is what you've been told he's like. Or do you sing what you sing because you know this is what he's like? So there's a difference. There's a difference. This is what I love in, in Psalm 27. You guys all know Psalm 27, right? David's famous psalm. In the first three verses, he's, he's t I, I'll, t I'll tell you the story. I was on a flight and the Lord said, read Psalm 27. And I said, Lord, I've read it a thousand times. And then he was like, you're 35,000 feet in the air. Do you want me to like tell you this is really me? And I was like, no, okay, I'll read the psalm. And it's like, so I go, to, I go to Psalm 27, and I begin to read this thing. We, you guys know it, right? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies, my foes attack me, I shall not fear. The war besiege me. My heart shall be confident. Essentially, he's like, everything is going wrong in my life. And all, everybody, the whole nation's out to kill me. Etc. Etc. And he's and he's pr he's painting this incredible picture of why his life, why he should be in fear, why he should be terrified. And he says, in fact, I'm not afraid, and this is why I'm confident. And then he says, verse four. He says, my confidence is in this. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that one thing will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Isn't it incredible that David doesn't say his confidence is in the power of God? His confidence isn't in God's ability to conquer his enemies. He says his confidence is in the beauty of God. In fact, he actually says this, his confidence is, is, is in his ability to gaze upon Jesus' beauty and not be distracted. And I remember I'm sitting on this flight and it struck me, do you know that this was the first time in human history that a man had called God beautiful? And the Lord began to provoke my heart with this question. And he said, Jose, what did David see that Moses didn't? What did David see that Abraham didn't? What place, I mean, you think about this, you get to, by the time you get to David, you have about a thousand years of Jewish history. And I'm sure by the time David gets around, an entire generation had settled in their revelation of who God was and what God was like. And they just accepted this far and no more. And sometimes I'm afraid that we've done the same today. We've just, we've just chosen to come only so far in our pursuit of the knowledge of God and we've just kind of camped out. And we've just stayed the same and we're just, we're just there and we're just camped out. But there's really, there's no real manifestation and there's no real power when we come to worship. 
And as much as I love Moses and as much as, much as I love Abraham, it wasn't until David that men didn't begin to call God beautiful. Think about this. Okay, tonight I believe that there is an invitation over us as a, as a state, as a city, as a region to come to a place that we can say that God is beautiful. Friends, it's a place of captivation. I remember years ago, the Lord asked me this question. He said, Jose, if people in the world can be possessed by demons, then why can't Christians be possessed by God? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because there is a place of beholding that we come into a place of nearness with Jesus. Friends, let me tell you this. Do you know why Jesus shed his blood? Not just to wash you free, not just to cleanse you of sin. Jesus' blood was to open up the door to the throne room. Do you know that right now, you have Jesus' access to the Father? Do you know that right now, you have Jesus' influence over the Father? Right now, you can get as close to the Father as Jesus does. And do you know why you have that access? So you can stand in front of God and become captivated with the beauty of who He is. The blood of Jesus and the opening of the door to the holy place is an invitation to allow your heart to be possessed, completely captivated with the glory and the beauty and the majesty of God. And when we begin to do that, that place of consistent beholding and consistent pursuit, that place of unceasing intimacy begins to produce in us a heart of worship. And songs begin to come forth that transform the earth. Friends, you know, this is what Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 6. Right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's what we've done. What we've done is that we've taken that verse and we've simply kept it here. Well, whatever doesn't exist in heaven won't exist on the earth. Right? We do the on earth as it is in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's not going to be any cancer in the earth. There's no cancer. There's no diabetes in heaven. Jesus was not saying that whatever doesn't exist in heaven won't exist on the earth. He was saying, if you want what heaven has, then you have to do what heaven does. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is what he's saying. He's saying, if you want the sort of freedom that heaven has, do what heaven does. If you want a cancer-free zone like heaven has, do what heaven does. Right, if you want divorce-free zone like heaven has, do what heaven does. If you want unlimited resources and riches like heaven has, do what heaven does. Right, if you want unlimited glory, unlimited breakthrough, unlimited beauty, unlimited knowledge of God, do what heaven does. Just as I begin to wrap up, let me, let me just break this down for you. In Revelation 4, we don't have to go there. I'll just paint the picture. What does heaven look like? John describes it with greatest details as we've ever seen in the scriptures. In Revelation 4, he goes up into heaven and he begins to describe not just what heaven is like, but how heaven operates. And he describes a sea of glass and on the sea of glass, a throne firmly established and Jesus is on the throne. And then he begins to describe something incredible. He says that around the throne are 24 thrones with 24 elders and all of them have crowns. And inside of that are four living creatures covered with eyes within and eyes without and they have not ceased to sing the same song holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was is and is to come now how many of you guys ever read that before let me ask you this question 
what were the four living creatures created to do? No. They were created to see. Think about this. If they were created to worship, they'd be covered with mouths, but they're covered in eyes. This, this, this is incredible. Their entire purpose. <laughs> They've had so much macchiatos, man. They're jazzed up. Now think about this. Guys, these beings in heaven were created to do one thing. Study God. And because they behold, they can't help but sing. Friends, this is the blueprint for the tabernacle of David. This is what David says. If we can teach a generation to behold, then we don't have to convince them to sing. They won't be able to hold it in. This is incredible. I want you to look at this. The four living creatures surround the throne. This thing fell off, I think. I'm the worst with these things. Here it is. That's why you cut your hair probably, just so you can preach. But think about this. I want you to paint this. I know we got to pick up our kids soon, but I want, I, want, I want to throw this in. I want you to think about this. Four living creatures, all they do day and night is study God. That's all they've done. And because they behold them, they can't help but sing. Let's get the band come back up. And then I'll have, let's think about this. They can't help but sing. And what do they sing? They sing holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, is, and is to come. Hey, look at their song. You, you, you guys know that the Hebrew word for holy is the word Kadesh, and it means other, different, nothing like it. Do you know what heaven has been singing for the last several thousand years? We've never seen anything like that before. Do you know right now this is what they're singing in heaven? We've never seen anything like that before. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is what they're singing day and night. We've never seen anything like that before. We've never seen anything like that before. And they sing it day in. And day, you know what? You know why they don't get bored of singing in heaven? Because they don't stop gazing in heaven. Worship only becomes cliche when it's no longer from a place of revelation. Just think about this. They sing day in and day out, night and day, day and night this thing. And the 24 elders begin to listen to their song. Now the Lord gave me this as a model for spiritual warfare. The 24 elders begin to listen to their song and they say, we want to see what you're singing and see if what you're singing is true. And they come and they begin to gaze upon Jesus and they say, we agree with your song. And they throw themselves at the feet of Jesus and they cast their crowns and they say, all blessing, all glory, all honor, all praise be to the Lamb. Friends, if you want to see principalities and powers dethroned in your city, then it's time that we get the spirit of revelation and start singing from revelation rather than information. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a message from one of our ministry friends and family at Rock City Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. If you'd like more information on the ministry, please visit our website at www.rockcitycorpus.com or feel free to check out our Facebook page of Rock City Church in Corpus Christi. Have an awesome, rockin', fired up day!